Primetime with Sean Mooney is brought to you by Blue Chew. Guys, coming up, I'm going to let you in on the way to increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. That's bluechew.com. And by ZipRecruiter. Stay tuned, and I'm going to tell you how you can use ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. However, standing by right now is the one and the only Sean Mooney. Who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. <laughs> After you threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing. So right before I called 911, I thought she was falling asleep. So I nudged her, she didn't respond. I was sitting out in my front yard, and they told me that uh, she didn't make it. If they would do a movie about your life, who would you want to play your part? <laughs> Well, George Clooney, of course. <laughs> Who else could it be? You know, I think it would take probably $100,000 at least to bring us in for the Hall of Fame. Are you laughing, Sean? I get off the track here all the time. Did you just laugh, Sean? You can't, you can't even show them on TV because they're so busy humping each other that you can't even show them on TV. <laughs> Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Prime Time with Sean Mooney. We're coming off a great week. Not only did we have a fantastic episode, uh, the chronicler of professional wrestling, the historian Bill Apter was with us. And um, man, that guy, really, he is a Rolodex because uh, I think he still uses a Rolodex of stories about, you know, happenings in professional wrestling from the 70s. And that's when he started. And he was that guy. When you were in the grocery store line, uh, when you were a kid, and they had those magazines, those wrestling magazines up there, you know, and they had, you know, Dusty Rhodes with all the blood all over his face and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, he was the guy who put those magazines together. And he has been at it ever since. And he's not slowing down. And Bill, uh, you know, I, I, I met him a few times. I saw him at StarCast, but we've struck up a, a friendship now. And I, I plan to be uh, in touch with him, and maybe we'll do a few more things because he is really, he's an encyclopedia. Knows everything, was just uh, so connected to the business, still is. But you think back, you know, he had uh, a hand in how uh, Andy Kaufman and uh, Jerry Lawler got together for that, and also... Uh, Hulk Hogan getting that part in Rocky Three. Yeah, that's right. So listen to the podcast if you didn't. Bill Apter was awesome. And of course, we're following it up with the first woman to ever appear on primetime with Sean Mooney. Can you believe that? It's it's it. I can't believe that we're seventy something episodes in here and we have not had a woman on the podcast. Well, we're starting it out right uh, with. Eddie Guerrero's wife, Vicky Guerrero. And it turns out that this week is the anniversary of Eddie Guerrero's death. Uh, he passed away on November, in November of 2005. And um, it just worked out that way. It's been, I've wanted to get Vicky on for a while uh, after we did the show with Edge and Christian, which we talk about in, our, in this conversation coming up. But it just worked out that this was the week. This has been... Um, 13 years now since Eddie passed away and um, she really really is very candid in this podcast talks about everything that happened uh, she talks about you know the early days and also her fantastic run 
in the WWE. So you'll have to excuse me uh, before we get to that conversation because um, I want to thank everybody for joining us in our watch along. We had our second watch along and it was fun. It was really a great time. We're getting better and better at these. And I'm hoping in the future, if you haven't already, that you are going to be a part of it because uh, we're taking it to the next level. The next one is going to the next level. <laughs> like it's a 10 and we're going to go somewhere, you know, 11 or 12 or maybe even higher. And uh, we've had some a great response to what we've been doing in, in this past one. You know, uh, with this crowdcast, this platform that we're using, you know, people can come on throughout the watch along. And we looked at Super Tape 1 from Coliseum Video. And people can come on and uh, throw their questions and have a conversation. But uh, what was really fun about it is that it, you had people talking to each other in this, uh, this chat that we had going. Besides throwing questions to me, they're, uh, you know, interacting and then I'm bringing people on live with me while we're doing the watch along. And it was just a lot of fun. So my idea is we are going to have another person come in, a superstar, who's going to specifically talk. We're going to have uh, you know some of the greatest matches that uh, there have been in the WWE. And we're going to get that superstar to come in and talk about it and give you the play-by-play -play and tell you what was going on behind the scenes. Now, doesn't that sound awesome? And then at the same time, you're going to be able to come on as well and interact with that person and me and all the people that are joining us. I think we're on to something with these watch-alongs for PTSM. So the details on that will be coming up. In the meantime, let's get to this conversation with, excuse me, Vicky Guerrero. Ding, ding, ding. Vicky Guerrero is with us. And Vicky, you know, you are the first woman guest we have had on this program. And we are like 70 episodes in. And I was starting to think about, you know, is the, the, Vicky's going to be it. She's going to be the first one. So you've got uh, another great distinction here. Excuse <laughs> me, it's about time. <laughs> yeah, shut up, Mooney. Let me talk. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. I am so excited. You know, I got to meet you for the first time, you know, not too long ago. And I, I, it was a pleasure to just you know, spend the day with you, and it was a lot of fun. What we did, which we can't say right now, right? <laughs> but uh, you're just you're a pleasure to work with, and such a great person. So I'm honored to do this podcast with you. Well, I'll tell you, we had a lot of fun, and uh, folks, I have uh, I have dropped little hints about this this show that we did with Edge and Christian in their season two of the the show that reeks of awesomeness. Uh, we did it back in in Stanford. And uh, a full day of shooting, and we really did have a blast. We really can't release the the, the, the real details on it, but uh, uh, <laughs> some of the people that we had that were there, and I, I, I said before we started recording this that um, I was just amazed at how Edge and Christian, as everyone knows them, was was able to get so many superstars, and they did an entire season. And this uh, this season that's coming out is very different than the season they did before. They have people all over the place on location and putting on all these different costumes. And uh, ours is pretty out there too, Vicky. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna be a little embarrassed when they see what I have on, but um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, everyone had such moving parts, and everybody was coming from different places around yeah. the world. You know, so it was pretty. I, I have to give it to Christian and you know Edge that uh, they're just. They're really passionate about their work, and it was a lot of fun to be a part of their project. Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, 
this also worked out and it's just kind of not really even thinking about it because I wanted to, I, I talked to you when I was back East about getting you on the, the podcast and it's taken us a while to put it all together. But, uh, the, the air, this is going to air this week when we drop it. It is also, uh, the anniversary week of, uh, of Eddie's death. Um, when he passed away on, uh, November, uh, 13th, 2005. Yeah. And, uh, yes. It, it seems uh, it's pretty just, unreal. It, it yeah. just seems, you know, it's been 15 years, and I was talking to my daughters this morning, and it just, it just still seems like yesterday. It, you know, it's still a surreal moment. Yeah, and I, uh, and I've heard you talk to people before that you know, even even as these years go by, it's it's it really never goes away. I mean, he was uh, such a um, a big presence in life. I think that's one way to put it, but just. Uh, and, and the fact of, you know, just who he was and the people that he affected along in his life, um, it really hasn't changed, has it? No, you know, and I, I do, uh, personal appearances and comic cons and conventions and it's just, it's amazing how many stories the fans tell about, you know, when they got to meet Eddie or what an impact he had on their life. And it's just, it's warming and I'm humbled, you know, that I'm fortunate enough to be able to be where I am today to hear these wonderful stories. So it's, it's a truly a gift from God that I'm able to still be close to Eddie and hear the, the stories that affected people and to, um, you know, just thank them because those are special things that, that are priceless. You know, in, in some ways you've, you've lived two lives in a sense, because, and, and I thought you could really offer some great perspective here today um, because, you know, half of that life was spent because you and Eddie knew each other very young. You, you were, you became a couple early, early on in life growing, you, you know, grew up in the same town basically. And, um, and that first part of your life really was, was being a wrestler's wife. Yes. And, you know, I thank Eddie's mom, you know, because she's the one who taught me how to be that wrestler's wife. <laughs> Cause you know, I was just dating Eddie because he was cute and, Mm -hmm. He was handsome and, you know, he was the hottest guy on the block. And I, I was, you know, I was a lucky girl, <laughs> mm. um, you know, but there, there was so much more to it, you know, as we got more serious and, you know, we, of course, you know, we got pregnant and we got married and um, it just brings a lot more, you know, attention to what the business really was. And um, yeah. it, there's a lot to, uh, there's a, it takes a big person to be a wife in this industry, you know, so to, boy. Yeah, you know, to have the patience and the, and to support someone that you hardly even see because they're on the road all the time. So um, I I'm pretty proud of myself of how you know I was groomed by Eddie's mom and she you know she of course was a wrestler's wife for many years and and she grew up boys in the wrestling business so she had pretty good knowledge and I I trusted her a lot. You know, <laughs> and, and just. She, uh, <laughs> No, but backing up even before that part of your life came in, did, did you guys, did you grow up in El Paso? Did you spend, you know, your, your early life there or, or when did you arrive in El Paso? Oh, no, I was born and raised and so was Eddie. In fact, we were born in the same hospital. That's how small wow. El Paso was at wow. the time. Yeah. And my grandfather owned a leather shop. And so um, Eddie's dad used to go to my grandfather's leather shop and get his robes and boots made there for wrestling. Mm -hmm. And me and Eddie used to play in the playpen together when we were oh, one. And two wow. That's, you know, that's like that story that, you know, they have a picture they find of you in the sink when, you know, getting the, the bay, <laughs> getting baths together or something, you know. Wow. Yeah. In, in a so playpen. I, I didn't. 
yeah, I didn't care for wrestling when I met Eddie and I just yeah. thought, you know, whatever. My brothers loved wrestling. They thought Eddie was the greatest, you know, God on earth. You know, like, you can't break up with him. He's great. You know, we right. love him. Right. <laughs> but um, my, my family already knew who he was and already knew the family. So it was really a faith that brought us together and it's just kind of you know weird how the whole story ended up but yeah we have history even we were in diapers <laughs> yeah and um in el paso and uh you know the guerrero family really was uh very well known in that part of the country uh for wrestling gory uh, guerrero and um you know uh, that must have been really strange that you say your brothers knew all about him but uh yeah how how <laughs> What was it like, you know, being his girlfriend in a town like that where, you know, that whole family is known for wrestling in the Lucha Libres and uh, were, they, yeah. were they like celebrities? Yeah, they were because, you know, Eddie's dad, Gory, promoted yeah. at the El Paso Coliseum. And so, you know, every Saturday night, I think it was once a month, you know, they had these huge shows where he'd bring in the Funks and the Von Erics and, you know, just um, Andre the Giant, you know, would work with him. And, uh, you know, so he was, the family was well known in El Paso. And so being Eddie's girlfriend, you know, and we'd go to the store or something and they'd be like, oh, can I have an autograph? I'm like, for what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's the big deal? But yeah. I, I learned very quickly, you know, that um, how, how well known they were and how hard they worked for the industry. So um, a lot of respect um, was learned, you know, at the very beginning. So I was, that was pretty uh, interesting for me to, to get in, um, to be, you know, known with this family. Yeah. And, and at that time, um, you know, El Paso's right there on the border and then there's Juarez and that's where they did a lot of their wrestling, right? Right across the border. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They were yeah. at the Gimnasio Municipal and uh, gosh, every Thursday and Sunday night was the wrestling shows. And of course, you know, Eddie would leave, you know, real early and they'd go train and they'd have the shows at night. And uh, I always, I love to go because, you know, um, Gory would go and the fans just loved him when he was in attendance at the shows. So um, I got to learn a, a great respect. And then also I had to learn, you know, being the girlfriend that there's a lot of other girls that liked him too. <laughs> yeah. so it was, um, it was a lot of lessons learned, but his mom was just really amazing at how she showed me how to, you know, present myself and how to stay calm and, you know, that uh, she always taught me to remember that, you know, Eddie comes home to you and, you know, it's just, it's uh, it's entertainment. And I learned, you know, I learned a lot from her. And so she was a big blessing, you know, and still is today, you know, for um, all the stuff that we went through with Eddie. Yeah. So you were married very young. I don't know, you were what, around 20 or something when you, when you guys were married and, and then you had yes. to have a child too. Uh, yes. You know, and everybody kind of looks at these these uh, couples in, in the professional wrestling industry and they think, oh, man, that must have been great. They probably had all this money and it was uh, was it a little <laughs> was it was it lean? Uh, is that a good word to use or maybe even <laughs> were there so lean we were days? <laughs> we, were, we were poor. <laughs> yeah. It was I mean, we were I had my daughter shawl, you know, at Thomason, yeah. which was the, the county hospital, you know, um, but we we. Actually, the timing of it is when me and Eddie got married, um, his dad passed away the same week that we got married. So oh. um, God works in great ways because when we got married, we decided to move in with his mom to help her because she was, you know, having a, a hard time, you know, with the passing of Mr. Guerrero. So it, it worked out really well. And of course, once we moved, you know, back in with her, we had an apartment. Um, it, it did help, you know, financially because, you know, we could help her and she helped us, you know, and, 
and us living with her. So it, it really worked out really well. But yeah, we were poor. I mean, it was beans and tortillas every day. <laughs> wow. yeah, hum- humble beginnings, that's for sure. And, and what was that house Very like much. living there with all the, I mean, uh, the brothers were older, but was it just uh, a madhouse of people coming in and out all the time? Um, no, not too much. His brothers huh? and everyone and his sisters lived out of, out of the city. So, but, you know, the house was amazing. You know, uh, Gory Guerrero's office was filled with so much, you know, wrestling history. Uh, the backyard had the wrestling ring and it was just an amazing, you know, house that had a lot of history in it. So, um, yeah, we did have, you know, it was kind of fun when we did have the shows. Everybody came over and Eddie's mom cooked and um, it was always a good time. <laughs> yeah. Um and the, as, as the humble beginnings here, as, as Eddie's really beginning this career, and then his father's not even around uh, to help him, um, what was that, you know, was he traveling a lot? Was it, you know, because as as a, a family, that's really tough because for the most part, you've got to hit the road and you've got to work these organizations. Or was he able to stay there before, um, you know, he started really working a lot in Mexico? Uh, what was it like at that time? Right. Yeah, so my daughter Shaw was born October 14th, and so uh, around February, March, um, Eddie was invited to go to Mexico City to work with AAA, and from that point, um, we knew that Eddie was going to be gone for a good 8 to 15 months, because he really wanted to train, and he wanted to, that was, you know, where all the wrestling, you know, training was, and the the shows, and um and we thought that I could stay here in El Paso and be able to just wait for Eddie. But I think after two months, we were like missing each other so much. And Eddie yeah. wanted to see Shaw all the time. So I packed up, I believe it was like eight suitcases and we moved to Mexico. And um, uh-huh. it was, it was a great time. It really was because even though I missed my family, I had Shaw with me. Mm. I learned Spanish there. I had no choice. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, and we lived at a uh, hotel San Diego, you know, so that's, um, we had Chris Jericho and um, travel junior and travel senior was there. Um, Norman Smiley. I mean, we had so many wrestlers that, you know, they kept the wrestlers on one floor and, it was a great time because, you know, we, we, even though we were away from home, we had our second family around us. Yeah. That must've been though, a different, really different experience of moving to another country going, uh, you know, into Mexico. And, um, I don't know how long you guys were down there, but I know that, that, uh, Eddie wrestled in those organizations for a while. Uh, how long yes. were you down there? Um, we were there probably for approximately, um, we came back, right before thanksgiving so it was about a good eight months we stayed there and then um after eddie was in mexico that's when um they had an opportunity with him in our bar to go wrestle in la and you know to do the first show um i believe it's for triple a they had a show in los angeles and so they you know we got to come back and you know when eddie stayed in the states and he would go back to mexico but it wasn't for long stays so it was more convenient just to drop him off at the airport and he'd come back after a week or two but um yeah he he put in his dues there was a lot of you know investment and a lot of time on his part to you know make the scenery and make you know um put the time to be able to train and the shows were just horrible you know i mean he would have to go by bus and uh-huh. you know um, that would take like two or three weeks to travel throughout Mexico. Oh, so boy. he put in his dues, and yeah. he get paid you know, with a six pack or some chicken or a sandwich. <laughs> you know, but and that chicken and, was alive, know, right? 
I, I think he got it when he was it was finally cooked. But yeah, yeah. it was. Um, it, you know, they paid him really poorly, but you know, Eddie, that was a sacrifice, and we knew what he was going in for. So that was yeah. something that you know he wanted to pay his dues like everyone else did there. Yeah. Well, what about when he got the opportunity to go to Japan and 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 when you would go, you'd go for you know a lot of times for extended periods. Was it the same thing that you stayed uh, and and was your base back in El Paso or did you? Travel more. Yeah, we. Oh no, we stayed in El Paso. By the time Eddie uh, had gone to Japan, um, mm -hmm. we Shaw was probably two, and he, Eddie did go for a month at a time. But mm -hmm. I was already working at a job, and he loved Japan. I mean, he he would get excited because when you worked over there, um, say four to six weeks, yes, you had mm -hmm. like a month or two off. So. Um, it was great money over there. I mean, Eddie was, you know, making, you know, money that lasted for two to three months. So he could go work and then be home for a month. And, you know, it was, he would just train and, you know, work in Wadis and wherever he could find work. But, um, and I, I, I did get to go, which was fun. I mean, he worked and I got to go play. So I wasn't complaining at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm sure life improved too at that point uh, from. Yeah. We, we got on our own. Beans and tortillas. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We, we got to add guest sewing, which is tea, so it was yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, so, those, were, those were good times. Yeah, but now I want to get to the part, though, when we, we talk about being, really being a wrestler's wife when, you know, the guy's not coming home, uh, you know, after a few days away, but months and months and months. And I don't know if, uh, you know, a lot of people really understand that life, which you certainly did for a long period of time. Uh, how How tough is that? especially when you've got kids and uh you know uh, just doing everything i mean you become every everything you're the 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 you know the manager of the house you're raising children you the you know scheduler you're the you're everything so uh how, yeah, how tough a life is that it, it is pretty tough you know you become yeah. the mom the dad uh yeah. the bad guy the good guy and um you know eddie was gone for gosh you know just with WCW, I think he'd be gone for like probably, you know, a good, you know, three to four weeks at a time. Um, it's hard, you know, because we had our second daughter by then when he was already with WCW and, um, you know, it takes a strong person. It's not someone that can take this industry lightly and, and not, you have to care about it to be able to work with your partner, you know, yeah. and you can't be in it just for the fame and the money. You know, this is an industry that, you know, when you get married to this, you know, wrestler, you're there to, through, you know, sickness and health and, you know, through death and love, you know, this is where, you know, you're telling him, I'm going to be home and I'm going to take care of the house while you go in and work on the road. And I never take that lightly. I, I was serious when I married Eddie and I loved him with all my heart and, you know, and I wanted to be the best mom that I could be and the wife as well. So I took a lot of sacrifice, you know, um, the things that we did change, you know, when Eddie was on the road, uh, we changed birthdays, you know, so Eddie could be home for them. You know, the mm -hmm. girls, Never knew the difference when they were young. Right. <laughs> yeah. Am I having a birthday but, uh, this week, Mom? Yeah, because Dad's gonna be. <laughs> yeah, you know. So um, I did make those efforts to make Eddie feel comfortable and be a part of you know the girls' events. Yeah. And you know, you miss a lot of anniversaries. You know, I miss birthdays, um, especially miss Thanksgiving, especially when you know he's right. traveling because. Yeah. Um, you know, especially Japan doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving, <laughs> so um, you know it was just a regular work day for them. But, um, you know, you get to, you, you have to be strong and you find ways to occupy the day. And my goal was to wait for Eddie to come home and so did the girls. And when Eddie was home, we didn't do anything. We just wanted to be surrounded by him and enjoy him because he was only home for a few days. So 
you make it a you make it very you know quality time whenever he's home and and when he's not home I kept very busy and and made myself available to the girls in any way I could. Yeah, and and I was going to ask you that like what do you do when they when they did come home because you know sometimes and I know at least from my experience with the the WWF back then you know the guys would get home for maybe three four days one of those days was usually spent traveling uh, to get their laundry done and then back out again. And, uh, that's just gotta be a really a strange, uh, life for everybody involved. Not just because here, this guy's out on the road and he's in all these different cities and you know, surrounded by thousands of people and all kinds yeah. of temptations. And then you're trying to have this normal life with the kids back home. And then they show up and, you know, and, it's, and you're trying to say, okay, this for the next three days, this is our, so, you know, normal family life, you know, that's yeah. just got, this must be a really bizarre way to live. Yeah. It's, it's not easy, you know, and it was difficult because, um, you, of course, you know, you had to share Eddie with, you know, the people from work calling, you know, that yeah. talking about the next week, you know, for work and it took a day for Eddie just to sleep and kind of get his, you know, head straight, you know, to be ready for, to be a dad, you know, for the next two or three days. And then you get one day quality and then the third day is you're packing him up and he's already arranging everything for the next trip. And, um, you know, so you learn to, to love his phone more than him because, yeah. uh, you know, he was on the phone a lot and, you know, back then we didn't have social media and emails right. and stuff. So, yeah. um, yeah, you know, it, it sucked, you know, I'm not going to say it was all easy. And, you know, people think that they look at us and go, wow, you're so lucky. You know, you have, you know, everything you want and you have, you know, a life that's great. And I'm like, well, if you, if I could have my husband home a little more, it would be nice, you know? So I think people just look from the outside in and see, you know, wow, they, that's just an awesome life. But, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, sorrow and sadness because, you know, we don't see each other for very long and um, you have to kind of pick and choose your days to, you know, just smother each other up and then you have to let them go again. But, you know, I think knowing that there was another next week for us to see him, that kind of kept us going. Well, Vicki, uh, we're going to take a quick time out here. And I know what a femme fatale you were with the WWE. I mean, you were making out with Edge and uh, having these little side affairs with the big show and everything else. Well, uh, but there's a lot of guys out there that uh, need a little help. And uh, guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, fellas. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable, and I'm talking about the same FDA-approved active ingredients that you'll find in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And what's great about these pills, Blue Chew pills, is that you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Hear me? Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Now, you may remember a few months back, they completely ran out of Blue Chew. It was in such high demand. Well, it's back, and that's why I'm telling you, you need to act fast. And you can do that because you're a listener of Primetime. Right now, we've got a very special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com, and you're going to get your first order of Blue Chew absolutely free when you use our special promo code, Primetime. That's P-R-I-M-E-T-I-M-E. 
primetime, and all you have to do is just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, B-L-U-E, just like the color, BlueChew.com, promo code PRIMETIME to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and of course, we thank them for being a sponsor of Primetime with Sean Mooney. So what was the, the first real break where, um, you know, Eddie was really at a level that was, you know, among the elite in professional wrestling? Was that, you know, WCW? And it took a while to get there. Um, you know, I, I don't think it was really in WCW. Uh, you know, he had a lot of competition, a lot of politics with the bigger guys, yeah. you know, to get the TV time and to get time just to be in the ring and to be able to, you know, show what he wanted to show the fans. Um, but I, I think it was until when he jumped to uh, WWE, that's when he was, you know, treated, you know, you know, very well. And he mm-hmm. got to, um, you know, be in the main storylines. And when he jumped with the radicals, uh, that was just a great time. But of course that first night that he went out to the ring, that's when he, um, he, broke his arm, you know, with his yeah. elbow fractured yeah. and, you know, we, we just kind of sat there going, what you know, the it, that was horrible, you know, because yeah. Eddie was like ready for that time to start a new leaf and, yeah. you know, start working again. So, um, you know, God humbles you in different ways and, you know, you have to kind of, you know, have patience and get back up and you try this again, you know, so, uh, but he did love his time in WWE and, uh, and to work with, you know, Chris Benoit and Ray Mysterio, yeah. Uh, Dean Malenko, I mean, that that was his posse and, that, you know, they kept each other, you know, pretty motivated during those days. Yeah. but And, and at that time, I mean, the WCW, um, that, that might have been frustrating years, but he was building a reputation and certainly at some, you know, was getting noticed by, you know, the WWE. Um, were those were those rough times, though, as far as looking back? Uh, for you as well and the family and, and, uh, and was, was Eddie really frustrated or were there times he, he did get some pushes? He worked with some of the big guys, you know, there, um, what was that period like? Um, you know, it, it was, it was really frustrating. You know, Eddie was always wanting to, you know, be creative. And of course there's a yeah. lot of people on your back, you know, you know, saying we want to do it this way. And Eddie would, you know, he'd be very, you know, get pretty pissed off, you know, because the, he'd be telling me, you know, this is not who I am. That's not what I would say. This is not what I would do. He just wanted to be Eddie and show the fans, you know, this is, this is who he was. And I think that when he started working with China and that storyline, that was a true Eddie because he was funny. He was a smart, you know, he was a a sarcastic person. I was going to say another word. (laughs) He, He was very sarcastic. He was a jokester. He always wanted to make everyone laugh. And I think that when he started working with China, that's when he was really having a good time. I could see that the Eddie that was on TV was what we got to see at home. And I knew that that was a genuine character for him because he was comfortable in it. And that's who he was. And it, and I think that when they let him be who he wanted to be, then he was, you know, taking the, the ropes and just going with it. You know, he was like, I'm loving this. And he got excited to go to work. And that was, that was really um, just finally, you know, I, I was relaxing because I thought, you know, now Eddie's having a good time. Yeah, and and Vicky, you know, you see so many of these guys that have become among you know the best ever, but they had it took a long time. You know, you say these overnight successes that took fifteen years. 
You know, uh, I mean, there's, you, you know, Steve Austin is, is one of those. Uh, the Rock was one of those. It, it, and it seemed that when they finally just let go and said, I am just going to be me and screw everything else, whether this was it was it like for was that like, uh, like for Eddie that he finally said, you know, I'm, just, I, I'm not going to try and fit into any mold anymore or what they want me to try and do. I'm just going to do what I do. Yeah, absolutely, Sean. You know, yeah. I think uh, with the relationship with Vince and Eddie, uh, what they had together, I think that helped Eddie be able to sit down and talk to him and, and Vince really listened to Eddie. And, you know, and they were really close, not only professionally, but, you know, personally. And um, I think Vince was his, his saving grace, you know, to be able to hear his ideas and, you know, and to be on board. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people in, in, you know, backstage at writers and agents and so forth that Eddie was just frustrated, you know, because yeah. everybody oh, wanted, they, they all had their ideas. They had their, you know, what, how they wanted things to go. And, you know, it, it was, it took a lot of time and effort to have Eddie prove that, you know, he doesn't need a script. He doesn't, he wanted to call it out there. He wanted to call his matches. And the, some of the guys love that, you know, because it, it drew excitement in the match, you know, to be able just to call it out there instead of, you know, rehearsing for three hours. Okay, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Eddie wanted to go out there and he always told the guys, let's listen to the crowd. Let's feel the crowd because, you know, you can't, he, Eddie always felt that he couldn't make a match you know, without hearing the crowd first, because that's who he had, to, that's who he wanted to sing to, you know, Eddie wanted to see what the crowd was like, and then take it to another level. And that's what he loved was that if the crowd was in a good mood, he wanted to piss them off. If they were pissed off, he wanted to make them laugh. <laughs> yeah. you know, so that was, that was like an art that Eddie really, um, he, he treasured that a lot that he wanted to make those fans, you know, feel something else besides, you know, just one mellow tone, you know, for the night. So, uh, were those two, looking back for you the the best years um, for what Eddie was accomplishing in these arenas and out uh, of the or, you know at home and and everywhere else, or uh, were, were the demons begin to creep in? I mean, when when did that uh, did you really have to start dealing with that? Oh, um, that the demons have been coming in for for ten years before. Uh, Eddie had come back the second time with WWE. So when, after he went to rehab, um, the last four years of Eddie's life was really enjoyable for us. Um, not that I didn't love Eddie any less, but it was, it was a real hellhole, (laughs) you know, when, when you're dealing with a person that you love so much and there's this, these substances that overtake his whole thinking and, you know, actions and you can't fight with them. There's no fighting with a, a pill. There was no fighting with alcohol and you really didn't want to fight, you know, to Eddie because, you know, it, it wasn't, I mean, the drugs and alcohol already had hit control of him. So I didn't even have Eddie with me for a long, long time, you know, so um, it, it was pretty touch and go for, for a while and it started affecting his work. Of course, everybody knows. And I think after um, the rehab the last time and he finally, you know, got serious and got a sponsor and did the work that he was supposed to do. And then when, of course, we reunited, um, those were the greatest four years I had with yeah. Eddie, you know, the, in a long time. Well, and I, and uh, as you said, you, I, you never stopped loving him as much as you did. Um, but how difficult was it, especially when that person isn't around all the time and you just have to, there's nothing really you can do um, except, uh, you know, embrace your faith and hope to God that, if something happens that, that saves them, then you don't end up losing them. Uh, how t- how tough was it during those years? And then you're raising young children too. 
Right. Um, you know, you, you, I became a codependent, uh, codependent, you know, mm-hmm. where I would make excuses for people not to come over because I knew Eddie was having a bad day. Um, you know, if the girls uh, had stuff to do, I would stay busy all day outside the house so I, Eddie wouldn't be around us. I mean, this is a, a truly horrible disease, you know, and yeah. addiction that, yeah. that a person like me had to hide from everyone because I wanted to protect him from the people and from his work and from his loved ones. You know, his mom would call and she's the only one, the only one they would know when I was having a bad day. And she had been to our house several times where she had seen what I was going through and she would see Eddie at his worst. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was just like, she would tell me, you know, enough, you know, just, just leave. But, you know, you, I had to think about my girls. They, they cherished Eddie, you know, and um, yeah. on, on his good days, we had great days and on his bad days, they were bad. And yeah. so you kind of just get through it and you wait for the good days to come around. But, um, you know, there was a point that, you know, once he got fired and uh, he got in trouble, you know, with his DUI and it's just, that's when I just said, I'm, I'm done, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I think it took me to kind of, and he told me, you know, it took me to, to say quit, you know, I, I quit for him to say, okay, you know, I, now I can let you go because he thought I could keep going. There's just a point where I just said, I can't do it anymore. Vicki, that is awesome, but I got to take a quick time out here. I know you're a business person and you know all about hiring, but we have a lot of listeners out there that have their own businesses and they are very smart individuals. But you know what's not smart? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of wrong resumes. But you know what is smart? ZipRecruiter.com slash primetime. That's right. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't wait for candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. It's powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes identifies people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, and then actively invites them to apply for that position. So you get qualified candidates fast. So no more sorting through the wrong resumes, no more waiting for the right candidates to apply. It is absolutely no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the U.S. Now this is based on ratings that come from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over a thousand reviews. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. Now get a pen, here it is, ZipRecruiter.com slash primetime. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash primetime, P-R-I-M-E-T-I-M-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash primetime. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So what really was the turning point? Because, uh, you know, I, I've had uh, people in my family with addiction and, and they, you know, you think that they're going to change and they, you think they're going to change and you, and they make promises and, and, and it doesn't happen. What was really, was it the release from the WWF that turned them around or, or the WWE, I should say, and, and the fact that you said, I'm, I'm not going to enable you anymore. What was really, what, uh, changed him to, to, to get on that path that he remained on until his death. Well, I, I finally had to, um, I called it quits when, uh, the IRS came after us, you know, because mm-hmm. we hadn't paid taxes and we started getting all of our, our cars repossessed. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, when they fired Eddie, you know, that of course there's no money coming in. And, um, that's when I just said, you know, I'd rather, 
I'd rather be poor again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, you know, me and Eddie, you know, we sat down and just talked seriously. I'm like, you know, I'd rather not have anything and be at peace and have all of this and worry about you every day that you're not going to come home. Yeah. And that was something that he knew that, you know, he didn't blame me at all. I mean, he, he knew he put me through a whole lot, you know, and when Eddie was, you know, he hung around with bad people and just, you know, people that were influencing him in ways that wasn't helping us, you know, to grow in, in a good, positive direction. Um, I just told him, I said, you know, you can have it, <laughs> you know, and um, and when he got fired from WWE, I knew that I it was time to get out because it was just going to get worse. And it did. You know, yeah. we lost everything, you know, so um, but that was my saving grace because I once he went to rehab. I think it was for the sixth time I was able to just finally sleep because I don't have to worry about if he was going to come home or not. Yeah. So when did you really finally believe him and, and, and say, you know what, he is, he's changing. How, what, uh, what was it? Do you remember anything specific? Oh yeah, Sean, I do. <laughs> um, so Eddie had a relationship when we were separated, me and Eddie right. separated for two years. Yeah. We both had lawyers that were trying to get our divorce final. Um, mm -hmm. We tried. I mean, Eddie and I tried with our lawyers. I mean, we were every week we we're texting each other. Can you please just keep moving forward so we can get divorced? I mean, that was yeah. we thought. We thought that was supposed to be our our plan. Right. And um, Eddie, of course, had um, had a girlfriend, and she got pregnant by him. And through this whole process, um, I saw Eddie changing to where he was calm. You know, the rehab had worked, um, the work in the AA groups and um, his, the personal time that he put into helping his recovery. I could see that he was investing a lot of time in himself mm -hmm. and the girls would come home and um, they were, they were saying how daddy, you know, is doing good. And, you know, um, and I think we just started kind of flirting again where, and he would, you know, he would drop off the girls that ended up having like a cup of coffee. And then, mm -hmm. you know, hey, you know, well, you know, it's almost dinner. Hey, girls, you want to go to dinner with mom? You know, and I'll be like, what? You know, and we go to dinner, you know, but I was doing it because, you know, he was involving the girls, but, yeah. you know, yeah. but we really, we always missed each other. I mean, this is my, I knew Eddie for, yeah. you know, gosh, you know, almost 18 years, you know, before he passed away. So yeah, love of your life. Is, yeah, he knew exactly what I liked, and um, you know, he had broken up with his uh, with a girlfriend that he had, and our first date was back at the beach again, where it was our favorite place. <laughs> and um, just one date turned into, you know, he was going to come pick up the kids from school, and uh, he he was working with WWE, and he just things just started coming into place again, and he really changed. I mean, he was a different person. He was the old Eddie that I used to know. Yeah. And, um, we renewed our vows and, uh, he promised the girls that he was always going to take it one day at a time, which, which is all he could do. Right. And, um, the, the girls were just so happy about, you know, about having us together again. And I was happy too. I never thought I would be back with him again, <laughs> but, yeah. um, we, we renewed our vows and we did it on the beach and, uh, we, uh, got a, an apartment together and then after a year of that, we went and moved to Phoenix and it was, it was great. You know, I mean, everything was, was just a wonderful life with him. You really started over. I mean, in every respect, right? I mean, you guys oh, were yeah. broke I mean, and it was like, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we got everything repossessed. Um, uh -huh. I went into an apartment. Um, I had a used car that I didn't think was going to get me to the girls school sometimes. 
Um, Eddie, you know, lost his license. He, he had asked someone drive him anywhere he went. Mm. Um, he didn't, he didn't have a job. I mean, he was, you know, just living just day to day and he was starting to get little independent wrestling shows and they would fly him in and he would do a show. And, um, he always took care of the girls though. You know, if I needed something, we always, regardless of our, of our problems, Eddie's concern was always the girls and, you know, do, do they need anything? You know, I have, you know, a hundred dollars, you know, can I give it to you for food? And that's one thing about Eddie, even though we couldn't stand each other, I mean, we, our discussions were about the girls and we were always yeah. at peace about that. Yeah. What role did the WWE uh, and Vince play in, uh, you know, getting him back and making him healthy again, as far as, because he got to do what he was meant to do. Well, I think they were watching him for a long time. You know, yeah. I, I know, I know that the last thing Vince wanted to do was fire him, you yeah. know, and for, and, but it was expected, you know, because he was just, he was doing a horrible job at everything he was involved in. And, um, you know, he went to work high that one time and, and I knew it was going to happen sooner or later, but, you know, I think with Vince watching him and every, you know, of course, all eyes were on Eddie, you know, at society, everybody was just waiting for him to drop the ball again. And yeah. he proved to everyone, you know, one independent show after another one that he was getting stronger. Um, he wanted, you know, he, he even said it was hard to go from a, you know, $50,000 crowd to, yeah. um, you know, to 50 people in the crowd, but he yeah. did. But the one thing that he was doing was doing what he loved and that was wrestling. Yeah. So he, he didn't care, you know, he just wanted to make money and start all over again. But I think WWE started seeing that he was serious about his recovery and he was getting back on the road. And whenever they, uh, uh, they started hearing that we were get, starting to talk and we were starting to hang out. I think that's when they were like, wow. Okay. So the family's back together. So there's gotta be good things coming out of this. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was um, a true, you know, testimony from Eddie that he wanted to um, be able to, you know, prove to everyone that he can only take it one day at a time. Yeah. And, um, you know, you think about it, that uh, it, it, it came around like this and Eddie uh, not just put it, putting it back together, his life back together in the ring, but more importantly with his family and with you and the kids. And I know that uh, his faith was very strong at the time. Yours is of course, uh, life is cruel and it's, it's, a sh- it's a shame that it was so brief, but, uh, I'm sure you also thank God every day that you had those years from him, because I'm sure there were nights where you said, uh, it's over. It's, I, I, I don't think he's going to be saved. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you just, there's a point to where you just, um, I'd rather not him been around. So I didn't have to yeah. hear about, you know, the time that he was going to, you know, be in an accident. I mean, he had several yeah. accidents. And the police loved him so much in Florida that <laughs> they were like, hey, we brought Eddie back, you know, home for you. You know, here yeah. he is. I'm like, no, yeah. no, arrest him. Yeah, he <laughs> needs to have a consequence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm sure there's hard. nights you thought that you'd get that call that he, you know, wasn't alive. Yeah, there, he did have an, a, a serious accident in 1999 uh, where he mm-hmm. was driving and he was under the influence. And um, they had told me that, uh, you know, he almost died on the operating table, you know, so there was a lot of roller coasters and a lot of you yeah. know, times where I just thought, you know, this is it, this is it. And it takes a toll on you after a while, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I even talked to his mom and I'm just like, you know, please don't be mad, but I can't do this anymore. And she was like, she goes, you lasted longer than I did. 
you yeah. know? And so, um, she just, she was always my saving grace for a lot of things I was going through. Yeah. So, uh, uh, let's just fast forward here. I mean, we, we, the, there were some great years there. Those, those, uh, when, when Eddie came back, but I want to go to where you got involved in this and you were brought in as for an angle, really. It was, uh, with Ray Mysterio. And I, how did that come about? Because this is what I find amazing that, uh, at this point in your life, and then suddenly you're asked to come up on the stage. This hadn't really ever happened before. I don't think you'd ever done any other uh, gimmicks or worked any angles with with Eddie before or in the wrestling business, right? No, no, never. <laughs> I'm supposed <laughs> to be behind stage, you know, yeah. from a monitor. <laughs> yeah. So how yeah, did that come um, about? I know the I know the angle that they had going, but how did you get involved and 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 then you end up doing it? Um, well. You know, that Ray Mysterio uh, child custody storyline that him and right. Eddie were doing, um, they never thought it was going to get that big, you know. And I, after it started progressing about four or five months, um, Ray and Eddie were really, you know, getting into it. And they, they were having all these ideas. And uh, Vince had, you know, asked them, they said, you know, what if we bring your families into the storyline? And this would just make it even take it to another level, right. you know, where, you know, Ray's wife is, you know, caught in the middle and Vicky's questioning, you know, Angie, you know, why, when did y'all sleep together? You know, and it would just cause a lot of conflict with different angles of the storyline. And we loved it, you know, and we were scared for the girls, you know, going in front of a crowd, but um, Angie, Dominic, you know, my girls, you know, I think we're just naturals because, you know, we've been around it's it so your, long yeah, that, yeah. yeah, you know, it's like we, we lived our lives through the camera, you know, to watch yeah. our husbands. And uh, that one day that um, there was just one uh, SmackDown that we went and Vince talked to the girls and he got on the on his knees and he's just like, girls, you know, your mom and dad are going to be here with you. There's nothing to be scared of. And he goes, you know, if, if you want to cry on cue, he goes, that is just awesome. He goes, I would love that. And, um, and he's like, well, that's a little too much to ask for the girls. And, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> and, you know, we went through the whole scene and, um, that night, you know, uh, Eddie gave the Iggy to the girls, you know, when to start, you know, getting scared and, you know, yeah. kind of overreacting and yeah. darn it, the girls cried. And I was like, Oh my yeah. God, they cry. Yeah. Well, that's in the <laughs> blood. Uh, they're selling, you know, they, they just, they yeah. had it. <laughs> and, you know, they weren't nervous. I mean, all yeah. during the day, they, they were in catering. The girls loved the women's locker room. I mean, yeah. they, they knew their way around the backstage and they knew everybody. And when it was time for us to go out, I think they were more calm than I was, you know, yeah. but, uh, Especially, you know, my oldest one, Shaw, I mean, she loves the crowd and she just, she was like, yeah, let's do this again. You know, and they had to come out again. They were just, it was, Vince was like, yeah, when can we have the girls back? And I'm like, let me check with their school first. <laughs> but, you know, Dominic was such a natural and to see the kids work together and these storylines, you know, Ray, me and Eddie were like, what have we created here? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> I heard you really bad. <laughs> yeah, you're saying that, that well, here we have our children crying on camera about, you know, the questioning of whether or not this, the, you know, Ray Mysterio's son is somebody else's, you know, and you're putting this all out in front of them and, and they're all, the kids are like, yeah, we're good. Let's go. Yeah. What do you want? When do you want me to cry? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they love naturals. It. And so, yeah. And the parents got to enjoy it too. You know, so yeah. I was at ease, you know, Eddie was at ease and, you know, Ray was just, you know, we we're just all tickled that the kids enjoyed it so much. So that was a fun time, but yeah, I'm, 
Dominic's wrestling now, you know, so I think we've all instilled, you know, these tools that they need now to go perform. <laughs> yeah. So then you, you, uh, get involved in this and then, uh, it all comes crashing down. Um, I, I've heard an interview that you did before you were talking about, and I think it was with Chris, uh, Jericho about, um, <laughs> that, you know, the toll, uh, on every wrestler. I mean, if people really understand, and, and I, I've heard it, and I believe this is this is what I tell people too, is that it's it's like getting into a car accident every day, every time you step into the ring, because that's the toll your body takes, and all of the uh, you know that uh, Eddie had done otherwise. Um, who knows what it had to do with it? But he's thirty. He's only thirty-eight. Um, right. And uh, I mean. I can't imagine how shocking that must have been for you after all you'd been through. And uh, I think he had been there, been home the day before. Yes, he was home for um, three days. And mm. uh, we we just moved to Phoenix. You know, we were still in boxes. I think we were there for a month. And um, he came home. He uh, We had his mom over and we went to go eat. And he just ran five miles, you know, mm. to he, he would run all the time. And that next morning, which was Saturday, you know, he was getting ready to go to Minneapolis. They had a TV, a pay-per-view, and then they were headed to an international tour. And, um, I mean, I, I'm still in shock of how this even happened. You know, it's just, uh, it's unreal of how you think, you know, it's just dropping them off at the airport. And it's just another drop-off. And, yeah. okay, kids, are going to go home and, you know, it's time for school. You know, let's get ready for Monday morning. Yeah. And, um you know, I mean, Chavito was on the flight and, you know, Chavo said he, they were in great mood. They watched a movie together. Um, it was just like any other normal flight going into a show. It was nothing different. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty, um, it's pretty sad, you know, how this yeah. happened. So you've been thinking back, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and Sunday, um, you know, Eddie did call me, you know, it was around five thirty in the morning and, Usually he'll, he'll call me and say, I'm going to go to the gym or whatever. But if I sleep or I don't answer, he'll just, you know, call me. And then that's my cue that he's already up for the day. Mm-hmm. And um, I, when I missed his call, you know, of course, we had no idea what was going on until his family came about 7 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. And um, they had rang the doorbell and me and the girls were still asleep. And that's when we just found out that WWE wanted the family to go over so I wouldn't be by myself when someone told me. And, so he, uh, had, he, you said he had, he had tried to call you that morning. Yeah. He, there was a missed call from him at five 30 and oh. um, I knew they were getting up early cause it was a pay-per-view day and usually Eddie didn't sleep much anyway cause of the pay-per-views or they're already working out and have breakfast and they're, you know, at the arena. So it was, that was their plan as far as the night before they were going to go work out. And, um, I, I just, I, I kicked myself that, you know, I had missed that call because yeah. To me, it was just another missed call. You know, I was like, I'll, right. I'll call him later. Yeah, when I'll, get I'll up catch him later this afternoon. Yeah. And what and what time I, did what, did Chavo get in the room to find him? Um, I, I think they got in like around 10, 30, 11 at night. Right. So, you know, they they went to go eat. It was just, you know, they got out of the airport. They went to go eat, um, got to the room, and they planned to get um, up early in the morning to go work out, you know, on Sunday. Oh. Uh-huh. And what time did yeah. Chavo go, go to the room in the morning though to, and found him? Oh, um, well, they had he had missed his call from uh, his wake up call, so that's when they started looking, um, you know, calling him back. There was no answer, and uh, when 
the bellman had gone to the door to check to see if, uh, you know, if Eddie would answer the door. Um, the, of course, it, the door um, security was on, but they could mm. still open the door. And that's when he had found Eddie in the bathroom and the water was running. Uh. So um, that's when they alerted Chavo and uh, Dean and, you know, Vince, all of them were, you know, taking care of Eddie at that point. And that's when they called uh, Eddie's sister, Linda, for her to come to my house. We were probably like 25 minutes away from each other. And it was you about know, seven o'clock. Yeah. Uh, Vicki, you know, after all you had endured, um, I can't even imagine um, how you held on to God at that point. Um, you're thinking, you know, we always hear it. Why? But how did you get through even those first few hours um, uh, after you heard that? Um, you know, Sean, um, I, I can't honestly remember that whole time period. Mm. Um, it's, it seems like all a blur. There was a tribute that WWE did for Eddie um, on the 1000th episode of SmackDown. They released a tribute before that show. Mm. And they showed the funeral. You know, they showed us walking behind the hearse at the cemetery I don't even remember all of that. I don't remember the dress I was wearing. My mm. daughters were talking to me. They're like, I don't remember any of this. And I think we just, we're just kind of in shock. And, yeah. um, you know, just, I was, I was a mess. I mean, you know, I don't think I even, you know, was making decisions that, um, you know, I could remember, uh, you know, I was after Eddie passed away, Nancy Benoit was the one who was with me for four weeks after Eddie passed away. Mm. And she was my, she was my best friend. And she's the one who helped me. You know, she, after a week, she's like, all right, get up. She'd throw me in the shower and she's like, you have to get up now. She goes, you can't do this anymore. Yeah. And I think she's the one, she's the one actually, you know, started taking me to lunch and got the girls dressed. She's like, we're going out today. She goes, we're all going to go out and just drive, you know? And, you know, we were just like, like zombies, you know, we just sat around and did nothing all day. And I thank God every day for Nancy because, you know, her and Chris were the ones that were there to just check on us. And, you know, Chris had a heart, a worse time than I did. I mean, he was just a mess going anywhere in the house, you know, and there was a something mm. of Eddie. He would just start crying. Mm. And Nancy was so strong and she was, she was my rock. She really was. Yeah. And uh, as many wonderful stories as there are in professional wrestling, there are just as many tragedies. And you mentioned, you know, Nancy and, and Chris and Benoit and, um, you know, <sighs> It, what did you did, did was it an extent i mean i know within what, eight months i think is when you came back to the wwe but it did it did it get better as the days went on or is that still a blur and then i don't know how it that transition finally when you were ready to to stand up and do something and get back to trying and, and having your life again um i think well i think working with wwe well i know working with wwe had me feel closer to Eddie because that was our second family and everything yeah. was, was very familiar there. Um, I, the sad thing is that I had to leave the girls, you know, with a nanny to go work, but um, they understood the life and they understood what, you know, that I didn't have the job skills. I didn't have mm -hmm. anything to, to fall back on to work. And that's why I'm so um, dedicated to my school and, you know, things that I can learn today because I always tell the girls, you know, when they marry into the industry, you know, get a backup plan, have yeah. your career ready for you because this business, you never know what's going to happen. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, just watch my story, you know, look at my story. And I was lost. I, I was a, 
a mom. They had two women that I, I, two, you know, I had women around me that didn't even tell me what I could do because I didn't know what I could do. I couldn't even answer an office job or, you know, an ad for anything because all I did was I was a mom at home with watching my girls and taking care of Eddie, you know, so I think it's really important that, you know, um, everyone has skills and everyone has an education or some trade that they can fall back on and have a life for themselves. But yeah, it was, it was pretty shitty, you know, back in those days, you know, I mean, it was, I didn't know what to do. Um, I did go back to El Paso because I was going to El Paso every weekend just to be with my family. And my dad was finally like, just move here because you're here all the time and you're just wasting money going back and forth. And um, the house was easy to pack. I sold the house in two days. I mean, I found a realtor and she found someone really quick for me Hmm. and the house was immaculate. I mean, we, we had fixed it up and we never got to enjoy it. You know, yeah. it was just that quick of a, an, a transition. And I was back in El Paso and things started getting better because I was around my family. I had my friends around me again and the girls were, you know, doing better. And I think being out in Phoenix helped us out quite a bit because we didn't have the memory of Eddie Nuck being home in Phoenix. Yeah. So how do you think uh, you coming back came about? Because um, you didn't get much of a chance to show what you could do. I don't know if you kind of felt like you walked through that, that, that initial, you know, being in front of this, <laughs> you know, well, because really uh, you hadn't done anything like that before. Uh, so do you think in some ways it was uh, the WWE saying, let's, let's bring her in. It'll be great uh, to, you know, help the family and we've got an angle here and then we think it might work. How did, how did that happen? Yeah, I think my saving grace is that I got to prove myself a little bit with Rey Mysterio, you know, in that storyline yeah. um, that, you know, I could go in the ring and I could do backstage promos. But, right. you know, to be a full character, that was something I wasn't, you know, um, thinking I could do. Mm-hmm. But when uh, Johnny Ace had called me and said, you know, hey, kid, you know, we want to see if you want to do some storylines with, you know, Benoit, Mysterio and Jericho, you know, we could do some, some work with you and it would bring you a paycheck, you know, and it'd get you out of the house a little bit. And I said, okay, well maybe just two months, let's see how two months goes. And if it doesn't work out, then just write me off, you know, it'll be just easy transition. <laughs> Cause you know, Sean, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't up for this at all. I mean, I was just, I was the wife, you know, and I was the mom that took care of the kids <laughs> And, um, and so when they, when they brought me in, you know, everybody was so great and I, I know they were trying to help me, you know, because I wasn't working at all, you know, and, um, I, I did little jobs here and there, but, you know, I was okay, but, you know, to be able to say, you know, I'm going to go on the road now with WWE, people thought I I was losing my mind. They were yeah. like, wow, is she okay? Yeah. <laughs> now she wants to work for them, <laughs> you know, but, um, they were very gentle with me, you know, they, they took it very slow and. When I did do work with the guys, they were my family. So right. to, to be in front of Ray or, or Jericho, you know, or, um, you know, even Benoit, I mean, these were my friends as my family. So it was never any nerves because, you know, it was like old times, you know, just sit there and talk to them. But of course I had to memorize scripts and there's a lot more involved and I, I loved it. I mean, I love performing always. I mean, I've always been a performer, so um, to know that I could come around and create a character that I was comfortable with and I, I enjoyed the more and more I did it, it just it ended up being 10 years. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, that's just amazing. They said maybe a couple of months and yeah, and yeah, and it lasted until 2014. And I have to tell you something here, Vicki, 
I am I'm very good friends with Chris Chambers, uh, as you know, of the WWE. Oh, I love Chris. Very, I mean, I, I mean, we I've known him since I was uh, fresh out of college and was back in New York, and we worked together. That's how that our friendship wow. started, and oh, he ended up coming to work with us at the WWF. But anyway. I had not really been watching and had seen that whole transition. And and when you came back and you were in the whole uh, excuse me mode, and I remember my son was really into it. And I watched a few times and I'm like, oh, my God, that woman is horrible. Oh, my God. She's just so. Uh, and I remember telling Chris saying, you know, that she must just be nasty. And he goes, no, she is the nicest person you will ever meet. I'm telling you right now. I mean, he he loves you, Vicky. Uh-huh. And I'm bad. But I'm telling you, I'm, that's how good you were. I couldn't imagine for a second, even backstage, how you could be, a, you know, <laughs> the person I'm talking to now because you, uh, and, and to, uh, I don't know if in your wildest dreams, and we're talking, there's been some real major heels in the WWE. I mean, there, and uh, when people talk about generating heat, I don't, I, you've got, I'm, I'm going to say top five. I mean, I'm, I, don't, I think that I'm, you know, <laughs> because oh. you're really, I'm telling you, I thought you were the absolute worst in that piercing, excuse me. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, I mean, okay, you, you <laughs> well, it's true. And, and so at, at what point did you realize that you had a gift and, and I'm sorry it took so long in your life to 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 get to there because I think probably if you would have brought you in your 20s, who knows? I mean, <laughs> but uh, gosh, you know, I have to give that credit to Adam. You know, Edge, uh, he really? truly took the time out to help me with you know being comfortable in the ring and giving me the psychology of what we were doing for the night and watching him at his craft just had me, you know, fall in love with this whole industry of the performing part of it. And, um, you know, and to see that how Edge's reaction was, and I could be a part of that, you know, especially the first night when Vince says, well, Guerrero, let's try and kiss Edge tonight. And I'm like, what? You know, and I'm like, <laughs> really? He goes, yeah, let's just go piss off everybody. And I was oh. just like, all right. Well, <laughs> and Adam was such a great sport. I mean, I will be forever indebted to him of how much, I learned from him because he's so talented and such a great guy. And, you know, to be able to reflect about, you know, how much I enjoyed it, there's never any words and I miss it every day because, you know, that was, that's a high that it's natural and no one can ever feel that only that person in the ring, you know, what that feels like. Yeah. And you mentioned, you mentioned edge, but you worked with uh, so many others and not just having to do promos and be able to, uh, you know, do these, these angles with these guys, but you also took some major bumps. Um, (laughs) How many people can say that they uh, took a a tombstone from the undertaker, which. (laughs) I was the only female and I'm very Uh, honored for that title. uh, (laughs) <laughs> but you say he was really great with you about, you know, telling you how to take this, take the bump. And uh, I mean, it seems like all these guys took good care of you. They did. You know, um, you know, the undertaker, Mark was just so wonderful. And yeah. you know, I was scared to death and I, we were in Tampa and I was so scared of what I was, I was going to go through with him, but you know, he didn't even have rehearsal with me on it. He's like, I'm not even going to go through this with you. He goes, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what it's going to feel like. I'm going to give you, you know, the signal when I'm going to, you know, go down and you just hold on. He goes, I got you. And, you know, I was, I was petrified, but after it was over, 
I laid there and I'll, I went backstage and I'm like, I want to do this again. <laughs> it's like to, going on a ride. Yeah. The one that's going oh. the, the first 360. Did I mean you didn't even do a rehearsal before that or anything? No, no. You just said, was, I'm going to uh, take you and I'll take care of it. <laughs> yeah. Taker just talked to me. Um, wow. He just, you know, told me where I needed to be. And he was such a professional and just, um, he's another great guy that I was honored to work with, you know, and um, when Ray Mysterio did the, the, the West Coast pop off the top rope and I was in the wheelchair, that was a little, I thought yeah. maybe now I need to like start thinking about what they're having me do here. <laughs> but, You're supposed um, to flip out of that thing or was it? Uh, yes. Yes. That's, <laughs> as long as, they're like, as long as you doesn't land on your neck, we're good for the night. Yeah. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, maybe <laughs> you're good. Yeah. Yeah, and I always knew something bad was going to happen to me because we'd be around the ring during the day, and um, and whenever uh, Vince would come out, he's like, Guerrero, can I have a, a moment with you? And I'm like, yeah. oh, my God, this, something's uh -oh. going to happen tonight. <laughs> and so that was, uh, you know, that's when I knew that, you know, Vince wanted to, you know, do something. But I trusted him, and I trusted everyone that I worked with. And from Ray Mysterio to, you know, Chavo Jr., he was right there all the time, you know, by my side, you know, making sure that I was comfortable with everything. And, you know, the food fights, they were a piece of cake, yeah. uh, you know, the yelling and screaming. And I got to work with some great celebrities. I mean, I am truly blessed of what I was able to do, you know, during my time there. Well, and I know that the excuse me uh, came from, uh, you said that you were doing a promo and lost your place and just, just, just came out of you know, uh, frightened, I guess no, you were probably in fear. But I didn't where, lose my place. I totally forgot my promo. I mean, just totally blank. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't so, even re forgetting a line. I didn't know what I was saying the rest of the night. <laughs> And that just came out. You're just like, I, I got to say something, you know, and, and, uh, well, yeah, I mean, I'm in the wheelchair on stage and yeah. Teddy long was pushing me out there and they changed my promo twice before I went out. And I had like five, five minutes to memorize the new promo. And it was totally different. It totally, it, it took me out of surprise of what I was supposed to say. And right. I went, I walked out there and I was like, I am going to screw this up really bad. And sure enough, I did. And um, and fans in the front row were like throwing me fingers and like you forgot your lines, get out of here, you don't belong here. And I was like, I got so upset at what I was watching in front of me. I just yelled out, "Excuse me!" and and they didn't like that, you know. Like I was trying to get their attention, and I said it again, and I kind of regrouped and did the promo really fast of whatever the bullet points were. And I yeah. told Teddy, "Come on, let's go." <laughs> And well, they loved it, it. Yeah, and it wasn't, uh, Vicky. It wasn't just the words. I mean, "excuse me" is uh, has been used <laughs> by many people. It was the, the the piercing voice, the annoying, horrible, screeching voice. Uh, <laughs> I, had your children heard that voice before, or, or did that just come out of uh, somewhere? <laughs> Oh no, Eddie and my girls have have heard that voice before. Yes, it was very familiar to our household. <laughs> Even my new husband has heard that voice before. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you, it uh, it works. It worked, and it oh, just went from you. there. And you think about, man, you think about though. Uh, you said you know ten years that were supposed to be a couple of months, and it wasn't. You know, you you got to work with all these guys. Uh, you know, Dolph and. Uh, Santina Morella, Anthony Corelli, and and Big Show, and uh, you know, with the general manager cool. for SmackDown, um, did it just one thing happen after another, and then suddenly it's these years later? I mean, you, 
to make to, to work that long in, in any capacity with the WWE is a great accomplishment. And here you are uh, kind of a performer out of uh, necessity. I mean, it just by accident, in a sense, that you were supposed to just be, uh, you know, we're helping to work an angle and discovered a, a, a completely different gift you never knew you really had. Yeah, thank you, Sean. I, that means tr- a lot coming from you because I, you know, it's um, it's just it's humbling. But I um, I, I had a great time, you know. And, and when they started giving me more TV time, and there was a lot of animosity backstage with the girls, you know, because I would go on stage maybe like three or four times a night, and um, you know, and that was. I didn't think of it as, you know, being more popular. I, was, I had a job to do. And, of course, general manager, you know, you were used sometimes, you know, as all night long, you know, yeah. during the show. Right. And um, so every time I went out there, I just wanted to give my 100%. And, you know, it was, there was a lot of jealousy backstage. And I just remained humble because that's what Eddie taught me to do. And, um, you know, that was it's just being in the moment and being grateful for the opportunity, because in this business, it can be gone by tomorrow. You know, I mean, there's no promises in this business. So every night that I got to perform and work with these great people and especially work with the McMahons, I I was like a kid in a candy store. I mean, I I was pinching myself because a lot lot of people weren't able to work with the McMahons and, and do a ring, you know, promo. And when I was able to do that, that was my highlight of the of my career. Yeah, and and you mentioned that part of the business, and anybody that uh, you know has come on this podcast that has worked with the WWF WWE, uh, there is not a higher level of competition in professional wrestling, and in uh, let's just say sports entertainment and entertainment that you've got a roster of people that uh, you know, maybe these days is under a hundred, and you know just to just to be there, and it's. It's it's very stressful because you're looking to get a few of those minutes out there in front of a camera because you want to keep your job. And that's yeah. the, that's the, the dark side of it, in a sense, because you've got a lot of people that are envious and they're trying to get out there and get be in your place. But it, it sounds the fact that, you know, uh, maybe you weren't directly involved in the business, but you understood it very early on. And saw what Eddie went through, so it, it seems like you were prepared. And then, you know, listening to his wisdom about the business helped you through it. Yeah, it did. You know, it's just, um, you know, it's it's a very stressful job. I mean, you yeah. know, you can have great times, and um, especially when I forgot my promo, I thought now they're going to really, you know, x me out and tell me thank you for your your job and we wish you great in your future endeavors. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it's it's stressful. I mean, you walk backstage, you know, and you you have to face Vince, you know, when things are good or bad, and that's just it's a horrible feeling when you know you know you just want to just keep doing good so you can have a job for next week, you know. Yeah. And it's um, it's hard on especially on the young kids, you know. I can't imagine what they were. I can't imagine you know what they feel today because there's so much more stress on them today. Oh no, kidding! I mean, uh, no people really don't understand and. Also, they don't realize how tough that is. Uh, most people, you put them, they couldn't memorize 15 seconds in front of a camera, no matter how comfortable they are. And the, and you guys go out there. You no, know, these guys will go out there and do cut two, three-minute promos. And I'm thinking, how in the hell do they yeah. are they able to do that and 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 nail it? And uh, you know, I think like they wonder with you know Dwayne Johnson now when he's in you know, when he was starting out, you know, with getting these roles. One of the things that really helped him is the fact that, you know, they'd give him a script and that was nothing to him, you know, to memorize you know, yeah, these, right. this copy and actually have time <laughs> to do it and not have to do it live in front of a worldwide audience. And I one look time. back at some of these yeah, interviews. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. 
Oh, no, you have one time to do it. That's, yeah, that's you, get you. <laughs> you get one shot. You get one shot. And I look back at some of these interviews that uh, I did with well, with these pay-per-views, and I was, uh, I don't think I was quite 30 when I started you know, doing them. And I think, like, oh, man, I, 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 I must have blurred out the stress because, you know, I was just the guy holding the stick mic. I had to make sure that I had, the, you know, the right questions but and, and move the mic in the right place. But you know, Vince was right there. And, and, and when we did the Saturday night's main event, you had Dick Ebersol there, you know, and if you just screwed it up, it's all on you. And I just yeah. used I, maybe you did the same thing. You just go, I'm just going, I'm just going to go out there and do it. Just, you know, don't yeah. think about the bad part of it. Yeah. I mean, the stressful thing was I worked with these great guys that have been yeah. doing this for years and I, I didn't want to be that person that ruined the segment. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, I just, it was really important for me to put everyone over that, you know, and, and be the worst heel that I could be and, and make these guys look great, you know, and, and when I got to do that, I really went home thinking, you know, God, because this is just, it, it was a, a fun job to do. And, and I really believed in my character and, you know, to, uh, to have that much fun with these guys and, and like with Michelle, you know, Michelle McCool and Layla, yeah. Um, and AJ Lee, I mean, this was just, it was a, a, an honor because I got to work with these great people. Well, I, I'll tell you, you were the worst heel you could be. You were one, one of the best, <laughs> really, Becky. And, and, it's, uh, and it's nice to know, um, and, and, and I know this is a tough week, week for you, um, but it's, it, it seems like you're in a really good place now. I know you, you went back to school and um, are living with, you know, a normal life that... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know not on the... be normal. <laughs> yeah. Right. But no, yeah, my life is blessed, and um, yeah. my next journey is acting. You know, so I'm already going to start auditioning in December. So I, I have a little bit of practice to to do this part now. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> well, you had a chance to uh, work with among the best uh, when I was uh, back east uh, with our our show that we shot with Edge and Christian. So I'm sure you're going to draw from some of those moments that we shared on the screen oh, but that yeah. that was a lot of fun though and uh i'm looking forward to uh seeing what they put together but uh Thank i tell you. you it was it was great working with you guys in, in uh santino and you uh were great and, and just some of the lines <laughs> that you guys were throwing out it was it was a blast Thank you. It was, it was, i was so happy to finally get to meet you and um it, it was a fun day and uh i can't wait for it to come out so we can brag about it <laughs> yeah well that'll be fun um, I, I never uh, had the honor of meeting Eddie. I, I, I know a lot of people that were very close to him, and um, I just uh, am, am thankful that uh, that you had those years, um, those you. final years with him, and that um, you know that you were you were able to by all of this, it brought you into it, and you were able to give to the WWE what you have. So uh, I guess you know it's all it all works for a reason, Vicky. Thank you, Sean. And it, we're all a family, you know, and. Yeah. Um, you know, you help pave the way too. So, you know, my, my thank yous are always to everyone that's come before me and to be on your podcast is just an honor and I'm, I'm grateful for that. So it's much appreciated. All right. And thanks so much for coming on Vicki. I really, really appreciate it. I hope I see you down the road soon in person. Yes, me too. And I wish you success on your podcast and um, I can't wait to listen to the other episodes. So this will be fun to, to listen to myself. <laughs> All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Vicki Guerrero, what a wonderful person. She really is. And uh, I got to meet her in person for the first time when I did that episode with Edge and Christian back east. 
And absolutely, my friend Chris Chambers told me how wonderful she is, how nice she is. And believe me, folks, as much as you hated her when she was in front of the camera, the WWE is as much as you love her when you meet her. And she has been through a lot. She is uh, one of the toughest people and uh, very inspirational. You heard her story, uh, what she went through and raising kids and then started a whole new profession, basically uh, getting in front of the camera. And uh, that was supposed to last a couple of months. It ended up uh, lasting, geez, uh, almost 10 years. And um, now she says she's going to get into acting. I, I, we got to keep a close eye on that. But I can't wait to run into Vicky Guerrero once again um, this week, as uh, we all remember the death of Eddie Guerrero. Uh, what a tragedy because uh, he really had his life together. Uh, everything was going really well. And, um, and then he just didn't... Uh, uh, he didn't wake up, and um, it's just uh, really sad that uh, we lost him. But uh, Vicky uh, goes on, and uh, what a great person. Really, really enjoyed having her on primetime with Sean Mooney. Uh, once again, as I mentioned, we are going to put together another watch-along. I want to thank all of my listeners, the ones that uh, uh, tuned in. And uh, you guys have been so much help to me. I really uh, I should get a list and just thank all of you because it was a great group, as I mentioned, and, and I've gotten a lot of feedback as we continue to get better at putting these together. But now we're, I think we're ready. I think we're ready to uh, really put uh, a different uh, show together. And uh, all of you that uh, have been apart from the beginning, we're going to have uh, some kind of a special discount for you guys because you've been right there. And uh, I really think you're going to love it. Uh, we've still got the Mooney Tees out there. We're going to get some new ones. Uh, it, it, those who have tuned in, you know that uh, Adam Morrison – is uh, he's the guy that helps with all of our graphics, and he's been a very loyal listener, and he's come on for all of the watch-alongs, and uh, we're going to put some new T-shirts together, and uh, we've got some great ones already. So go to MooneyTees.com, pick up a Sean Mooney Who T-shirt or one of the other designs we have there uh, that uh, Adam's helped us out with. And, of course, i got to give credit to uh, my guys who've been with me really from the beginning and, and way and helped grow this Evan Polisher has been there with all of our social media. And of course my uh, producer Casey Dronebeck, who has to deal with me uh, all the time. And I, 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 I have to just give him credit that he's been able to stay there. <laughs> he's still with me, but uh, folks, I really appreciate it. Uh, follow us of course on Instagram and uh, Twitter, uh, primetime Mooney at primetime Mooney and uh, email me. Especially all you guys that have pictures coming to you that were a part of the watch along. Or if you just have a comment, uh, some feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can go to uh, primetimemooney at gmail.com. See how easy we keep it? Primetimemooney at gmail.com. And of course, check out the YouTube channel. We've got uh, a lot of content up there. I know we haven't mentioned it in a while, but I'll tell you those ratings that you give us for iTunes, if any of you are listening through iTunes, Please go on there and give us uh, a review and some uh, and five stars, of course, because uh, that really helps us uh, continue to get the word out. So if you haven't uh, if you haven't done so already, please go to iTunes and uh, and give us a, a rating and review. I'd really really appreciate it. Once again, I want to thank our fantastic sponsors this week. Of course, Bluechew, Bluechew.com, guys. Uh, if you'd like to increase your performance, get that extra confidence in bed, I know the way to do it. That's bluechew.com, and if you go there and use the promo code PRIMETIME, you're going to get your first order absolutely free. All you have to do is pay $5 in shipping. Try it. Do it. Do it now. And, of course, Zip Recruiter. 
ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. If you go to the site, you're going to be able to use it absolutely free if you use the promo code PRIMETIME. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Uh, in the meantime, we've got uh, more great stuff coming up, another awesome episode on the way. And uh, until then, be well. In the meantime, I'm Sean Mooney, and I am out. Mm-hmm.